0: This is Connected, episode number 43. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, OmniFocus, which is now on the Apple Watch, and Field Notes. I'm not writing it down to remember it later, I'm writing it down to remember it. Now. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm coming to you live from San Francisco, California during WWDC and I have sitting right in front of my very eyes, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey Mike. How you doing?
1: I'm good. We are uh we're very close. Been yep. here all week doing shows and talking to people and hanging out, so uh it's a lot of fun. It's amazing what you can do in a hotel room to turn into a studio.
0: It, uh, not a lot, actually. And <laughs> I am always, as always, so honored to be joined by the lovely Mr. Federico fettici from Italy. Hi Federico.
2: Hey Mike, how does it feel to be able to look deep into the eyes of a man from Tennessee?
0: I try not to (laughs) stare. (laughs)
2: He's very scary.
0: Federico, I'm so happy to talk to you, but I'm so sad you're not here with us.
2: Yeah, I'm sad too. I've been uh, scrolling pictures in my Twitter stream. People crying. getting together in, in San Francisco. And then, of course, last night I watched the crazy uh, John Gruber, Phil Schiller interview. I was yep. very jealous.
0: That was kind um, of insane. That was a, a yeah. little bit insane.
2: Insane. <laughs> uh, but yes, I miss you guys very, very deeply and emotionally. Physically, even. Oh, my say. word. Wow. Um, but oh. yes, I'm happy to be here to, to talk about, you know, stuff. Apple Stuff. I'm I'm really excited, really happy, really excited and happy. (laughs) So we're
0: really happy to have you, actually, because this is one of the really weird things. When you're here, if you're not attending the conference, it's really hard to keep up with what's happening. Like, I pretty much just know everything that happened in the keynote, because I saw it, and I spoke about Mm -hmm. it with Jason, and you pick up the occasional tidbit here and there from people. But, like, I haven't been reading anything or anything like that, because we've been all over town um, on our wild parties. But uh, so I'm very happy to have you know the, the well-read Federico Vitici here to educate us yeah. a little bit about some of the uh, little things that we may have missed from uh, WWDC this week.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing because there's so much stuff going on. I-, I watched about half of the State of the Union last night and then like basically fell asleep watching it. So um,
2: that's the best be, way to fall this asleep. Sh- this should be good. Yes, I-, yeah. I fell
1: asleep as they were writing uh, Swift code for watch yeah. That's that's. <laughs>
2: Like uh, that's the best strategy. Just take a that's look right. at some UI kit, some Swift, <laughs> and then fall asleep. And then you're done. Uh, so we're going well to done. uh,
1: we're going to forego follow up this week because there's so much news. We have a lot of follow up. So next week will be, I think, uh, uh supersized, follow up section. But uh, we thought we would we would jump right in. And uh, they so they started, you know, the keynote started with with the Mac, and you know not. I mean we'll get into this with iOS as well, but definitely sort of a slower cycle for OS ten. So we've got uh ten point eleven El Capitan. And um I said that Mike could see me. I was gesturing wildly as I said it. Um so it's a smaller release, right? They you know, it's refinements, they screwed with window management again, because that's all they do in OS ten releases is change the way mission control works. Um but not, not a whole lot going on this time.
2: Yeah, well, it seems like they're focusing on the experience, you know, and improvements. And it's funny, like, how they try to frame the experience of, like, it's not like they're introducing any major new apps to uh, change the experience, it's like, they want to make the experience of using OS stem better. So you see there's a couple of improvements in mail. You can have uh, tabs, you can have gestures. Uh, there's a bunch of new stuff in Safari. And what, what was interesting to me, so I I installed uh, El Capitan, uh, which is, by the way, I think it's an awesome name. It's kind of funny. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek maybe. I don't know. It just sounds funny I don't to me like probably. It.
0: I don't like it. I, the reason I don't like it is because it's it's awkward to say right and obviously Mm. i will need to be saying it out loud a lot and el capitan is just it's a mouthful i mean i i I assume we'll probably end up you know uh, my understanding is the mountain is referred to as el cap and i can get a lot more on board with saying that every time than el capitan el capitan although it's fun to say
1: it is uh, you have to do your little like uh hand gestures dancing fingers yeah when you say it it's it's a fine name like uh, it makes sense, you know, it's it's part of Yosemite Park and, you know, the Mountain Lion Lion, Snow Leopard, Leopard, etc. The logic
0: so. of it checks out.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, it's they can, you know, uh, I'd written this thing and uh, I, we never actually got to it on the show before WWDC, but about, like, does Apple need, like, a Snow Leopard moment and, and kind of what that means. And I think they've done that on on OS ten this time. And that's not to say I'm not excited about it. I think there's some really good stuff in there. Um I don't think we're going to talk about it very much, but you should definitely check out Rocket which uh um just published this morning. Uh a lot of good conversation there about Metal and what it means not only for game developers but for people like Adobe like the who can use Metal to to speed up their applications. Um so a lot of stuff under the hood with OS 10 that I think is exciting, but uh definitely not the biggest part of this keynote e- even by, you know, any stretch of the imagination.
2: Yeah. Well, if anything, you know, Metal, it's confirmation of the fact that uh, the advancements that Apple is doing in terms of GPU and, you know, having a uh, graphics engine uh, is growing faster and, you know, it's becoming more powerful quickly. And uh, if you compare that to innovation in the CPU, wh- where Apple depends on another company, it's c- it's clear at least to me so I'm kind of ignorant but I think it's easy to to see that you know Apple can do this kind of stuff and they have deeper control that you know uh, instead of using something like OpenGL uh, they can do this kind of framework with Metal which can advance more quickly and it can go beyond games so they're kind of making up for the lack of advancements maybe in terms of uh, processing power in the CPU using Metal which I think it's really smart and maybe Mike, you said on Upgrade uh, you would have liked to see another demo during the keynote for this Metal stuff instead of a game. And I think I agree. It would have been nice to to have a demo from Adobe, you know, from this kind of productivity-intensive uh, applications on the Mac, taking advantage of Metal. That that would have been really nice, I yeah, think.
0: I wanted to see someone like Adobe or Pixelmator come out and, like, show some insane, you know, zooming and stuff like that. Like some people didn't like how upset me and Jason were about the, the game thing, but it's like the video game stuff. It doesn't like t- translate to me as it doing anything interesting. And and I think to a lot of developers, it's the same. I think to the majority of the developers, the core people that are there in that audience, even would get a bigger kick out of seeing a app like Photoshop doing some yep. really interesting stuff. Right. On stage.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, you know we can talk a lot about about demos and I think we should keep moving, but you know it's just I think it's really hard to get a demo that you know hits a lot of your major points and like resonates with the crowd and uh, that's a hard thing to, to pull off um but yeah i think I think metal's a big deal um I think it will it be one of those things that sort of is is the highlight of this release you know looking back looking back on it like as cool as it is to shake the cursor and the cursor get bigger uh you know that's that's probably
2: not what we'll tell our kids about. Uh, well, that's a that's a big selling feature. I think you know, <laughs> you'll be able to shake the mouse and, and and see the cursor. That's kind of funny. Also true. Many people do that. I do uh, at least when I use a Mac twice a week, I, I do that kind of stuff. So it'll be useful to me twice a week. Uh, by by that metric, I think it's a, it's a major new feature.
1: I like what yeah. you did there. Uh, I noticed it.
2: <laughs>
0: Shall we? Uh, Shall we jump into iOS?
2: Already, oh, yeah, wow! I mean, do okay. you have
0: anything else on on the on the OS ten side, like that? I just want to
2: mention Safari. Okay, um, yeah, do it. Yeah, um, just because I'm really happy about you know you can pin tabs now. Why does that I make think...
0: you happy? Because I don't really understand that so much. You, I don't think
2: you don't understand pin tabs. Well, no, I, I get what it
0: does, but like, yeah, I don't. I don't know uh, why Safari
2: I... always always lacked this feature, and because of when I'm on my Mac, I uh, like I I always. I mean, every day I always want to keep at least two tabs open, my website's um, analytics page and my website's homepage. page. Uh, so these two pages, these two tabs are always open in Safari. And when I'm on the Mac, uh, on the iPad, I can do the gesture really quickly, you know, to, to get the bird's eye view of the tabs. And I can keep those two open all the time. Uh, On the Mac, I feel like the tabs are so large. I really want to be able to use the screen to have a bunch of tabs to the left and to have them always open, you know? And I love this feature in Chrome, and I'm really happy that it's now in Safari. I'm also happy the way that they designed, um, like the way that she, as a website owner, like how you can customize the icon that shows up for for users uh, you can provide an svg file and it can be you know uh you, you can you have a bit of control over how it shows up in pin tabs and i would be really happy to to have this feature in, on at least on the ipad doesn't look like it's happening on the ipad uh, maybe eventually we'll see i don't know um just a minor thing that makes me happy
1: yeah it's it's one of those niceties that you know chrome has yeah. had for for a long time and uh, it's good to see Apple continuing to be competitive in this space because for a lot of people, Chrome is a lot better, and the reason it's not my primary browser is the the battery life impact that the Chrome has so it's it's nice to see some of those things that um make Chrome a little bit nicer uh you know make their way over uh to the Mac like they were doing the thing where if there's uh, audio playing on in the tab, the tab gets a little yeah. icon on it, so if you open to have a bunch of things and suddenly. Uh, something starts playing music or talk you know, advertisement or something comes up. You can quickly find it and uh, and hush it. So that's good. It's a nice, you know, little feature that once you have it, you are kind of sad that it's not there.
0: All right, I'm gonna take a quick break, and then I think we should jump into iOS because I thought this is a nice point to to thank a friend. What do you think? All
2: right, yeah.
0: This is a sponsor that makes me very happy. Uh, this week's episode of Connected is brought to you by Field Notes. I think many people know that I am a pen aficionado. I buy lots of different pens. I try out different styles. Like, I am a big pen guy. But I only buy one type of notebook, and that's Field Notes. And the reason I do that is because these are books that have a real story to them that I love. They're made by a great company, um, Field Notes Brand, who are based in Chicago. They believe in, you know, looking at all-American stuff. And for me, what I like about that is they look at local businesses, they help out smaller businesses, and they they try and find the best products that they can find to get their notebooks, their pocket-sized notebooks, and make them the best that they could possibly be. I am a colour subscriber to Field Notes and what this means is I get every new edition of Field Notes sent to me directly they do four a year, they do seasonal editions, every edition has a completely different look about it, a different style their current one is so fantastic it's called the Workshop Companion Edition it features a set of six books and a custom sleeve of a set of stickers each of these books is themed to a common project that can be done around the house like electrical work, plumbing, painting gardening, automotive and woodworking they have great iconography that represents those different things and they have great colors as well that match it as well and if you are a color subscriber like I am and like you should be you also get yourself a magnet as well a little workshop reminder magnet for that Field notes are great for the uses that they're making with the, the workshop companion edition, right? For stuff around the home. But you can use them for anything, and I do. I have one in front of me right now. I always do when I'm recording. It's how I take little notes to myself during the show. But I also keep them in my pocket when I'm out and about town. Like, I'm at a conference right now. I always have a field notes with me. But I use it for, like, shopping lists, for little ideas that I have. Sometimes it's just way easier to just grab a pen and paper and just scribble a note down to yourself. You, field notes are a great size. You can keep them in your pocket, in your bag. In the car, by your Mac, anywhere and everywhere. You can find out more about Field Notes and the Workshop Edition itself at fieldnotesbrand.com/slash/workshop. And if you buy yourself a year-long color subscription, starting with the Workshop Companion Edition, and use the code RELAY, you'll get yourself three carpenter pencils and a three-pack of pitch-black memo books, which are there all black. Field Notes edition as well. And even though you should buy a subscription, you can also buy packs of the Workshop Companion individually. uh, But you want to hurry with these. Go and look at them now. If you like them, buy them quick because they sell out. And once they sell out of their editions, they don't make them again. So go get it right now. When they're gone, they're gone. Field Notes. I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. So, iOS 9. iOS 9, huh? Yeah, excited about that,
2: Federico. Well, um, I think I was surprised. In, in, my initial reaction was a surprise because um, there were a lot of rumors, but I kept uh, thinking that maybe Apple, especially you know, coming after uh, OS X in the in the keynote, I was like, maybe Apple is really doing a. Uh, you know, as no Leopard release on iOS 2 because they want to improve the experience, they want to improve performance, so maybe we won't see, you know, much uh, new stuff. And instead, we, we did get uh, not the same amount of changes of iOS 7 and iOS 8 but we did get quite a bit of new stuff and especially on the iPad and especially on, on the iPhone for some apps, there's going to be major changes I think to the way that iOS works and I don't know, What do you guys want to start from a specific point? I just want to talk about Siri, if it's okay.
0: Yeah, that's why I want to park iPad for a moment because that's like a whole separate discussion, right? Because a lot of the stuff that's in (laughs) iOS, well, all the other stuff that's in iOS is going to be on both, but iPad is gaining some additional functions that I can't even imagine how you feel about them, so we're going to put that to the side for a minute. But talk to me a little bit about Siri and the proactive stuff because this is something that obviously a lot of people have been talking about on the heels of Google I.O. right because Google is mm-hmm. showing their chops of what they know and what they can do to make a proactive assistant Microsoft are trying to do a lot of the same with Cortana I don't think they can do it as effectively because their ecosystems are built slightly differently but when they showed off Cortana originally I remember us talking about it on the show and we were impressed by some of the stuff it can do so it seems like Siri now is extending itself into many different parts of the operating system. It has new ways that you can interact with it, and it has new ways of interacting with you. So Federica, what have been some of the overview and the highlight things that you've seen which interest you about this kind of new digital assistant kind of like for Siri?
2: Well, the main change is that now Siri can learn from your habits and from your daily routine. You uh, can learn your patterns, so when you when you when you wake up wh- what app you use during the day? what do you do? which apps are the most used ones, and do you use a specific app at a specific time of the day, maybe in a specific location so for for instance apple uh, actually uh, Demoed all these features quite nicely with a bit of a story. You wake up in the morning and you want to, you know, usually you check out your uh, meditation app. So when you wake up in the in the lower left corner of the lock screen, which is now dedicated to handoff and to suggested apps when you're uh, at a specific location, such as the Apple Store or Starbucks. Now in the morning, because you know, iOS knows, uh, which is the app that you want to open first thing when you're out of bed, uh, it can offer you a shortcut to open that app. And of course it goes deeper, Um, maybe you're at the gym and you want to listen to music and iOS knows that you listen to music because it can see the location, it can see the time of the day, it remembers your habits, so as soon as you plug in your headphones and presumably only if it's a specific time of the day and only if you're actually at the gym, it'll automatically start playing music and maybe, I suppose, a specific playlist or maybe a specific artist, depending on your taste. So uh, really what Apple wants to do is they want to use you as your own recommendation engine, basically. They observe you, the apps that you use, the time, the location. Uh, I, I suppose that they can look at the people you communicate with. There's a whole bunch of metrics they want to rely on to make you save time and to kind of make, uh, make iOS come to you uh in, in the sense that you don't need to open apps you don't need to find music you don't need to go hand the contact list and find the specific person uh because there's a new search search page and you can just open the search page and you will get uh a new a new contacts grid with contacts depending on the time of the day so they when they say they want to be proactive they mean that they can look at all this data and mm, this is where it gets a bit a bit strange most of the time this kind of processing is done locally on the device and your iPhone and your iPad can learn your habits and they can form a sort of personal database of your life and your routine and the the things that you do the apps that you use and they can you know update this database of knowledge over time and provide you with proactive recommendations and actions and apple is also saying we want to keep as little as little data about you as possible on our servers but sometimes we do need to do some processing you know in the cloud and when we do we want to anonymize your data so it's not linked to your Apple ID, it's not linked to other third-party Apple services. So, for instance, if we know something about your context uh, and, and about the people you, communi- you communicate with, we won't uh, compare that data with Apple Maps. So, there won't be any cross-pollination, basically, of services when we do this kind of intelligence. And... They're also saying, of course, we won't sell this. We won't give this data to any third parties. And the reference to Google was pretty clear. And but but the question, so I've been trying iOS 9 on on all my devices, and I've been reading the documentation, and it's not exactly clear how Apple will uh, form these habits, you know, how it will look at you and the way that you use your device. Because if there's a bit of a history here. If you go back to iOS 7, when Apple introduced a background app refresh, uh, they were saying, we can... We know when you use an app during the day and how many times you check the same app. And using the background refresh, we can optimize your network usage and your battery consumption by refreshing an app in in the background only when it needs to, because we know when you're gonna use it. And the concept here is kind of similar. Only you know it's been extended to a bunch of more data points, so it's people its location, its actions and but the concept is similar. it works in the background, it works on your device, it knows what you wanna do, and then it provides you with recommendations on the lock screen uh with automatic actions, so you plug in your headphones and it starts music, and there's a new search page um where it's got all this you know new interface for people for apps for um news which is kind of weird because it's based on bing i think
1: That's
2: so right. <laughs> yeah what's interesting is my actually my my concern is also is this gonna be useful basically
0: you've uh, nailed this... exactly what i've been thinking of right which it, is it, google is good at this because this is what they do
1: right they've got entire what? No not only they're good at it, but they I just can't imagine that this would be as smart or as intelligent as something that can run in a giant server farm yeah. like yeah. privacy stuff aside which we we can get into if we want no. like <laughs> i i just i uh i just don't like have they built something powerful enough that runs on device to do all of this and and you know I think to Federico I think your analogy to iOS o seven was was great I actually hadn't even uh thought about that. Um, you know, Apple has been doing some of this, but I just, yeah. I just, I hope that it can be good because the thing is, if, if a service like this isn't really good, it's just annoying. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like if you're, you know, like if you log into Netflix and it keeps, it keeps showing you like that one TV show, you're like, I just don't want to see it. Like that grates on you. Think how much more it'll be like, no, I don't want to open that app every morning. Stop. Why is this, you know, keep popping up? So I hope they've, they've really worked to, to get
2: it right. It's interesting to me because it seems that they are fascinated by this uh, intelligence and machine learning and, you know, all this stuff that Google is doing. They they seem to be interested in this space, but they don't want to be as creepy in their minds. And according to many other people, they don't want to be, you know, creepy as we take all your data and we work our magic in a black box and we give you... The intelligence. Yeah. As a result, they are fascinated by this idea, but they don't want to do too much, and so it can be weird when you, or maybe weird for now, because we don't know if it's gonna work or not. But here's an example: if you go to the setting into the settings of iOS nine, uh, you can decide whether uh, Siri or you know the the intelligent assistant uh, if he should be able to look into your email uh, and to match phone numbers uh, with email messages. So when a phone number calls you and it's not in your contact list, uh, the assistant can look into the email and associate a person, uh, or, you know, a likely match with that phone number. So Apple is kind of, they want to do this stuff, you know, they want to do this. Let's look into a bunch of places and let's, elaborate on all this data and let's give the users uh, the the information they wouldn't be able to remember or to do otherwise, because it would take a lot of time. But they're also doing this, you know, locally with settings and they tell you, yeah, we don't want your data. But sometimes it goes into iCloud, but we make sure that it stays secure and we don't give it to other people. So it's a a strange mix for now because we don't know if it's going to be useful on a daily basis. And for me, that's the main point. Is this going to be useful? Will these new search page or, you know, lock screen shortcuts and actions, will they make me go... Oh wow! I really wasn't expecting this to be here. This is really useful. This is what I wanna, you know. This I want my reaction to be wow. And right now, of course, it's you know three days. I can't <laughs> say that I've been wowed by iOS nine and proactivity, but we'll see. It's it's it's, it's interesting because because I can feel that they wanna do this stuff, but I don't know if they if they can. You see, like, going,
0: going back to that email thing, I think that that is a prime example of the difference, right? So you're giving Apple access to look into your email to match telephone numbers of people that you don't have in your caller ID or in your contacts. That's not enough. Like, I want my intelligent assistant to know when I have a flight. To know when I have a package delivered, you know, right. which is the stuff that Google does with Gmail and Google Now. Mm-hmm. Just saying, like, oh, scan my email for phone numbers. Like, that is not. I mean, that's a useful feature, yeah. But I want more than and, that. And it and
1: it may do more at some point, or it may do more now. We just don't don't know it at this point. But it is one of those things too, of like. So I, I could say that I opt in on that on my phone and and my iPad, I guess. Um, you know, not about you guys, but well actually i do know about you federico but you know my ipad might sit for a couple of days at a point and you know sometimes my my mail hasn't refreshed or you know there's all these things going on so there's the opportunity because it's client based because it's local for it to be outdated you know sort of uh the nice thing about like the the gmail and the google now stuff like as soon as you get an email from delta saying you know this is your flight information like it's your your assistant your intelligence uh Platform doesn't have to wait for me to check my email right like it yeah.
0: knows before you do
1: right, even. and so you know I think this is all the same point of like this is really great, I hope this is successful. I want it to be successful. I want to use this. I often look at Google now i'm like, I wish I had some of this stuff available to me uh as like a first party you know um, interwoven service in my device. you know you can use Google now on the phone, but it's and it's in an app, and it's got some issues um. And so, yeah, I think I think we're all saying the same thing that we want this to be successful. We're looking forward to using it, but m- maybe it's it, maybe it's fair to say that Apple has to sell us on its usefulness yeah. and its and its relevance throughout the day.
0: Third parties can't do anything for this, can they? There's nothing for a third party to do to give Apple any information or so anything like, like that.
1: So, if maybe for an example, like your to do list, like Siri can't crawl your to do list. And pull yep. tasks in like that sort of third-party information. Yeah.
2: Do you know Federico? I'm, I don't. I don't think no. it does. There's. I don't think there's a. Uh, as far as in intelligence and proactivity is concerned, there's nothing. I think uh, developers can do. Uh, there's no Siri API. That you know nothing like that yet. So it's yeah. all iOS. It's all the iPhone and the iPad and so whatever.
1: All you jokers running around with third-party mail clients. Yeah, do so you have exactly. to have your account set up in mail and fetching so this can stay up to yep. date? Yeah, that's a little yep. weird.
0: Stop. stop. What? Well, but the thing is, that the issue with them starting now is Google are so far ahead.
1: Right. No, absolutely. They they are behind in this. I don't think there's anyone on the planet who would disagree with you on that. I mean, but um, I but
2: I also want to make the the I feel like it's appropriate to make the counter argument to that. For millions of people, they don't use Google now. And yeah of course maybe they course. don't you know there's yeah. people like i don't want to say you know normal people has no become i get you like they don't who,
0: care that they're behind like they don't my mom like. for example yeah, she doesn't my care. mom
2: yeah i get. she that. doesn't care about no. google, gmail and google now and google inbox she has an iphone and maybe one day she will update to is9 and if someday she comes to me and says hey you know my iphone kind of Shows me Facebook in the morning, or I didn't know what this number was, but I saw that it was like a like a like a local business calling me. How did that happen? And I feel like Apple is late for us to this sort of intelligence game, but there's also many many other people that don't rely on Google's intelligence, yeah. and so I think the market is still open for those people. So maybe it's it's. I mean, for for the tech press, for the tech people like us, it's too late, uh, but it's never too late, really. Well, in some cases, it is too late, you know, <laughs>
0: uh,
2: but maybe not in this one.
0: So I got some great news. Um, I got both Apple Pay in the UK in July, and then yeah. Transit Maps as well in Apple Maps. That Transit Map stuff looks fantastic, and, and that's what I'm really looking for, especially you know to to link in with my Apple Watch, but the uh the apple pay stuff i'm i'm very excited about that i can't wait to start using apple pay
2: what yeah. what's the first thing you're going to buy with pr- apple pay
0: a present for you
2: yeah. I, I was thinking maybe you should buy an android phone with apple pay <laughs> uh-huh.
0: no see this is the thing right <laughs> so in the uk <laughs> it's probably going to be limited to 20 pound transactions because that's how the contactless system works i saw no. so oh, that so yes. that's a limitation yeah. of like the the system itself yeah. not okay but i do know that that there is stuff happening to increase the limits but it's because of the way we already have all that functionality in place but to be honest for anything over like twenty pounds, I would maybe want to go through a bit more of a full on process mm-hmm. than just tap in my mm-hmm. phone. I don't know, you but maybe I'm used to that. You much. should start
2: a of bank rumors website.
0: Bankrumors.com. Also okay. to
2: be fair, you can buy an Android for for, for twenty pounds, I think. <laughs> Federico. <laughs> <laughs> you probably could. I mean and it probably Gee.
1: wouldn't be too good. Yeah, the, the Apple Pay segment was uh was great. It was one of the two sections of the keynote, um, led by women which is we can all agree that Apple is uh, catching up there as well there's a great uh, interview by uh, our friend and rocket co host Christina Warren on Mashable uh, an interview with Tim Cook and he, and she uh, to her full credit pushed him really hard on that fact and i think Apple is, is starting to to uh, come not not come around but, but start to you know address this issue and the um, you know, it was great. Like, the, this is like the vice president in charge of Apple Pay, and um, I think I think it's really good stuff. They're bringing like loyalty cards and and reward cards to it. Um, so if I, you know, if my favorite uh, coffee shop has a rewards program, they can they can do that uh, all through Apple Pay as well. So it's it's good to see Apple advancing. You know, I forget Apple Pay is only what nine or nine months old because it was introduced with uh, when the watch was announced in September, and I feel like they're making uh, really like steady good progress on it, uh, which is which is great. I, um, I think I've talked about it on the show before. I only have one card that can use it. Uh, my my primary bank doesn't support it yet, but uh, e- every day, every time they re- they refresh that list of like these are the banks that support it, I always go and like try to find my bank, and then I send them another email. <laughs> bank rumors. That's so
2: sad. It's it is sad.
0: Federico, tell me uh, about Apple
2: News. Are they calling it Apple no, News? No, we've actually. News? Uh, I totally skipped uh, search. <laughs> I think this is a major initiative and Apple kind of downplayed this aspect right. uh, at the keynote. Go for it. So, I mean, Spotlight is getting a redesign, of course, and that's not the big news. Uh, Apple is doing a lot of new things to make you not use Google search and I, I feel like the APIs they have launched and the kind of what they're telling developers will be a major major play in the next few years. So in search in iOS 9, which by the way Apple is using a lot, the term just uh, search, not Spotlight. The developer framework is called Core Spotlight, but the the end user feature they always refer to that as spot, as search, not Spotlight. So it's interesting. Um, so Apple is doing. Uh, A bunch of new things. They're doing deep linking, which refers to the ability to open a specific section inside an app. So they're combining this deep linking support with a backlinking feature. So if you open a link from messages in iOS 9, Safari slides in from the right. There's a new launching animation, and you get a back button in the upper left corner, kind of like a X callback URL in Google Chrome before, and you tap that button and you go back to messages. And it's all done automatically by iOS. It already works with third party apps, even if they're not you know, updated for iOS 9, and it's amazingly useful. So deep linking, there's a back linking uh, feature, but the real deal is that Apple is now able to index content from local apps, from websites and to put it put all this together and let you search for stuff and open that result directly into the app, effectively skipping Google altogether. And this will work for local apps, so OmniFocus will be able to advertise your tasks to search, so you will be able to search, I don't know, for Relay, and you get a list of tasks and projects for Relay in OmniFocus, assuming that, of course, OmniFocus updates for search, and you will be able to search for, you know, maybe Instapaper adds support for search, and you can search for articles from the search box in iOS 9.
0: And this is now swipe again, isn't it? It's not swipe down. You swipe over and
2: you're given this new search panel. You can swipe over, but you can still swipe down. It's kind of weird because you've got two search boxes. Oh. One is the old position, you swipe down. The other is a new search page, kind of like iOS 6, and... The intelligence stuff is only in the search page. I think they will have to make a decision by the final release.
0: I'm hoping that you're about to make me feel really good here. If, you, if you're on the home screen and you tap the home button once, what happens? Let's see. Please tell me it goes to the search page. That's how it used to work. Yeah, and I miss right, now it ah! right now it
2: doesn't. Right now it doesn't. I miss that function so yeah, much. Yeah, I, I I really feel like they need to finish things up here. Uh, there's two different ways to activate search, <laughs> and it's kind of weird. That's fine. Uh, it's fine. It's another anyway, one. Anyway, besides the ability to you know, so an app can Omnifocus can say, hey, I got this content. Uh, you can index this content and developers get the ability to update this content in the, back, in the background for search. So let's say that OmniFocus refreshes in the background, the data changes, and you can tell to the core spotlight framework, you can say, hey, my content has changed. So index me because you will find new stuff and you need to remove a bunch of old entries. So local apps can show stuff to search, and that's awesome, because we all wanted to be able to search for uh, data, items, articles, links, photos, whatever, anything, we always wanted to be able to search for content from apps, and this is happening with iOS 9. Even bigger news, Apple is saying that they will index web content, and here's where it gets a bit, you know, kind of potentially awesome, tricky for now because we don't know yet. So my assumption is that they are using Applebot, which is the, the web crawler that they have created to index web pages. And they're saying, we will, we will index your web page if you add a bunch of tags to your, to your website. And we will see your content. We will index your data and it will be available to iOS 9 through web search when the user taps on these web-powered results, they have the option to not go to your website, but to go to your local app inside a specific section. So they are linking web results based on web indexing to local apps. And the magic glue that's holding all this together, it's called Universal Links. And There's so much stuff here, man. I'm getting yes. so lost by all these <laughs> new terms. Yes, and Universal Links is the technology that will allow web pages, websites, web links, HTTP links, to go directly to apps. So in iOS 9, assuming that all developers add support for this kind of stuff, let me describe you a typical scenario. Okay. You're in browsing Twitter, and Federico, which is me, uh, sure, I'm just talking to me in third person. Shares a, a link to a Spotify song. I tap this, the link and I don't go to a web view. I don't go to the Spotify website in Safari. I go to the Spotify app directly inside the, you know, the album or the song that I shared. Let's also say that Mac Stories makes an iOS app eventually. I iOS Search can index my web content from the website. The user can open the search box, search for iOS 9, and if, if everything works correctly, iOS 9 will return a list of my articles about iOS 9. The user taps that result and it opens in a, you know, uh, MacStories app or to the MacStories website, and none of this data ever touched google so it's this is i feel like this is a major play by apple in search and it's using a bunch of different technologies it's kind of interesting that a large portion of this stuff is based on handoff from last year so resuming user activity across apps across devices And there's new technologies like web indexing, universal links, deep linking, the ability to easily go back to the previous app. There's going to be major, I feel at least just looking at the documentation, talking to a bunch of people, this is going to be a major change in iOS. And I feel like a a lot of developers, a lot of companies and websites will rush to make their content content indexable by, by Apple by Applebot whatever by iOS 9 search and I if I were Google I wouldn't say I would be worried but I would be I would be I would be starting to feel concerned to say the least um, because Spotlight has been able to do you know web stuff for a while but it was always limited now Apple is saying we want you to we want you to be able to go from the web to the app easily and you don't need to go to google.com and type Mm-hmm. We want you to search here, and then you always end up either directly on the website or into the app, and you never need to open a search engine. It's kind of big stuff,
1: you know? Yeah, and it feels like there's a an ever-growing tension between Apple and Google. You know, uh, Tim Cook spoke yeah. a couple weeks ago. That you can find a
2: transcript. I uh, will put it in the uh, in the show notes. Oh, and I, and I didn't tell you the best part. Sorry, guys. I, I totally forgot. I even wrote about this. If you're looking... So let's say again, use my MacStories example. You use iOS 9 search to look for articles from from me uh, on your iOS device. And iOS 9 finds articles from MacStories.net. Using universal links and a bunch of other pieces of code that Apple is doing with iOS 9, uh, search knows that MacStories actually has an iOS app on the App Store, but maybe you don't have the app installed on your device. So from the search results, and Mike, you should be familiar with this stuff because we talked about this for Android. From the iOS 9 search results, you tap the link to my article and iOS maybe prompts up a dialogue and says, hey, you know, uh, you're going to this website, but these websites, uh, they actually have an app. Do you want to download the app right now and continue your search into the app? So Apple is kinda also using app discovery in the in this new feature. They want you to be able to look for stuff, whether it's local like OmniFocus or whether it's from the web through Applebot and web indexing. And they want you to always end up into a native app, whether it's already installed or whether there's a, you know, a stop in the middle. You need to download the app and then you can continue. Google is doing the same thing, basically like the same <laughs> technology. App indexing, uh, call it, right? app indexing on Android and Apple is doing the same thing now. And so it seems to me like Apple is is making a bit, it's making a, you know, they're kind of saying, we want you to (laughs) never go to Google again. Right. And And that's what I was, that's what I
1: was getting to. You know, there's this rift between Google and Apple that seems like it's growing. Not only do you have Tim Cook sort of going off the handle in a way that I found a little uncomfortable about uh, the privacy stuff, but they keep you know during the keynote and during these other sessions that is a a common topic of you know we're doing this because th- we're doing it in this way because we don't want your data or to protect uh customer privacy and customer information and and I, you know it, it does seem like that is sort of a consuming thought with Apple right now of yeah. not necessarily beating Google but trying to be really different from them in like a ideological way and uh, again, like like this all this other stuff with the intelligence and everything else, that like that's great if it works. And um but the, the search stuff does seem does seem pretty great. And I, I think that the ability to move between applications based on the content you want makes a lot of sense. I just hope that, you know uh you know, I hope that it's done in a way that's not confusing, which I think is why like if you yeah. look at screenshots, those backlinks say different things in different contexts to help like leave Breadcrumbs for a user to go back to where they were. Um, say what you will about the, you know, I, I click on a link in Tweetbot. Tweetbot closes and the app store opens. Showing that transition helps a user understand what's going on. So I hope that you know that's not a uh, an issue for them. But uh, I, I am excited about the you know the ability to to find content within applications and to kind of move between them. In a more fluid and dynamic way.
2: Last two points quickly before we move on. Mm-hmm. Apple is saying to basically, you know, there's a, a, a spam concern. What if, you know, spammers try to use this technology in search to show up in places they're not supposed to? So Apple is saying you should avoid over-indexing your app content or using unrelated keywords because iOS measures the level of user engagement. And so we will basically pull your results from search if you do this kind of stuff. Um, Interesting. We'll see how accurate this will be in practice. And second, uh, you can now use Siri kind of like Google Now. You know, Um, you can, when you're doing something in an app, you can bring up Siri and say, hey, remember to do this. And this portion of the command refers to what you're looking at. So this is kind of similar on a smaller scale to Now on Tap, which is Google's way of bringing Google Now as a layer on top of any app on your Android device. Now you will be able to say, I want to do this to Siri and Siri should be able to understand what you, what you want to be reminded of. So it seems to me that it's only limited to Siri Reminders, and, but it will work with third-party apps if they add support for the search metadata. So we'll see, I don't know. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Let's move on to News quickly. Um, yes. So News is a, a new app from Apple. It's It seems to be kind of the next uh, stage of something like Newsstand combined with uh, Facebook's Instant Articles plus an RSS reader plus Flipboard, right? It's those kinds of things all mashed into one. Publishers can submit their stories uh, to News, and there's different layout options and stuff that you can get, and it kind of seems like they're... There, the they're, Apple are kind of hinting towards the fact that anybody can do this, um, and you'll get different tools, whatever they will be, to lay out your articles in a certain way. Um, like it, it doesn't seem like there's necessarily going to be with like pump stuff in. Like you have to go in and and make it look pretty because that's what Apple will want. So Federico, are you looking at this with Mac Stories? Do you want to be in news?
2: Yes, yes, because for me, um, it can only be a benefit. Uh, I. Mm, Talked about this before. My business model is not based on page views. It's based on whether people read my stuff or not, and so it's based on whether people like what I do or not. And to be able to let more people know about me and to let more people read my stuff and our stuff from from the team easily, it's essential to us. And so this is why we sh- we have an open RSS feed. You can read us in your RSS reader. I don't care. Uh, I just want you to read as comfortably as possible. And I want to show up in Apple News. I'm interested in the, you know, you can keep your advertising revenue if you choose to to use ads on on Apple News. It's kind of like I don't know if there will be a system to say, hey, I want to have nice print like articles here every day? What kind of tool can I use? Can I automate this process? So every article that I make always shows up with a nice layout or will this be only for specific articles? So I need to use an app like iBooks Author to make special layouts just for specific stories. I don't understand how the RSS stuff works for now, but I signed up anyway because, hey, whatever. I just want to show up in Apple News. It's interesting uh, how Apple is saying, we're doing machine learning also here in Apple News. And we know ab- about, a, you know, like a million topics. And in theory, people will search for iPad pro- productivity. And if the Apple machine learning is accurate, I should show up Uh We'll see. Again, Apple is doing new stuff with you know intelligence, and we don't know if they're they're not uh, a proven solution yet. Um, we'll see. But definitely, I want to be an Apple news. I want to be everywhere. That's my, that's my dream.
1: Yeah, I just uh, I just while you were talking, went to the news publisher page, and it says to get started, open this page in a Mac or PC browser. Tap here to email the link to yourself. So uh, you can't sign up for this on your iPad, which is hysterical but um yeah i think it's i think it's interesting we spoke about it uh, a little bit on clockwise today i think my problem with it is that apple has to make sure that good content is there or people just won't use it it'll be you know another thing that apple tried and didn't work out and it goes away in three years so i do think i mean i think everybody we've talked to this week has been excited about putting their content into it um and I look forward to playing with it myself when I get home and seeing you know what I could do in there with with 512 pixels but uh
0: I think they've got to prove that it's useful.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, so uh want to talk about the iPad, right? That's that's something mm-hmm. that I think everybody who's tuning in for has been waiting for the last hour for us to start talking about. But well, before- that
2: and Apple and Apple Music. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I
0: think people want to hear your thoughts on the iPad a little mm, bit more. Okay. I mean, whilst we're here, I'm not kidding. People are coming up to us and just saying, what does Federico think about the iPad? <laughs> it's like, I don't know yet. I haven't spoken to him. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm wondering I'm wondering if you're going to like it or not. We'll find out. But First, let me do a quick thing and thank our friends over at the Omni Group for sponsoring this week's episode. I want to tell you about OmniFocus. I love OmniFocus. It is my task management system of choice. Nothing works better for me. Nothing gives me what I want more than OmniFocus. My life is completely planned out in this app. Like this week, it has been so helpful. You know, reminding me to do prep for this and to go and grab that and to make sure that this is working and that's working. Send that email. Without OmniFocus, on. Omni any week and especially a week like this when i'm away i would just be completely lost nothing would ever get done it's one of my most important tools of being able to get my work done and has become more and more important for me since being able to go full-time at relay um I use and love OmniFocus 2 for the Mac. Uh, they've they've recently updated uh, their iOS app to be universal. So the iPad and the iPhone live together now. So they grow together and you can have them both once and you get them everywhere. I love it on the 6 Plus. It has like the little split view stuff as well. And they also have OmniFocus for the Apple Watch. It comes for free with the universal version of OmniFocus. It's just waiting for you right there to go install on your lovely shiny Apple Watch, you can use the power of Siri and OmniFocus to add watch items to your inbox so you can feel like a super productive secret agent when you're on the move. Um, you can also get a quick view of what's next on your list for today with the Apple Watch Glance, which I have, so I can see, ah, that's my next task that I need to do today, just so I can keep on top of everything. If you want to see what OmniFocus on the Apple Watch would look like, on the OmniGroup website at omnigroup.com slash OmniFocus, you can go and actually see how it works, because they have built a demo of the Watch app on their website that you can go and play with for yourself. The Omni Group back up everything with their OmniFocus. We have an amazing support team. They're super confident you're going to love OmniFocus so much that they even offer a 30-day return policy on it. So, go check out OmniFocus for yourself today at omnigroup.com slash OmniFocus Thank you so much to the Omni Group for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. So Federico, uh, that little thing called iPad What's going on there?
2: Did you read my article today?
0: I haven't read anything.
2: Okay. So I need you to. Help so I'm me. gonna, I'm gonna discuss my my. Basically, uh, my, what I said in the article, and I kind of saved some thoughts for the show. So there's new multitasking, and during the keynote, actually, Apple also talked about a bunch of new features for iPad pro- productivity, um, a new keyboard, um, a new way to move the. Text selection and the cursor on the screen, and there's going to be a new way to watch videos with picture-in-picture. Picture. Um, my short take is that for there's still going to be people who don't need an iPad or don't get why other people like the iPad, and that's a, that's okay because you know we talked about this before. Everybody everybody has a as his own favorite tool and and. It, This is a judgment-free zone, so we're not talking about the way other people do their work every day. But for people who use an iPad every day, I feel like, and I thought about this deeply, as you can imagine, for the past two days, I installed iOS 9 on on my iPad, yes. I installed iOS 9 on my primary iPad because I need to understand this as soon as possible. And I just can't shake the feeling that this is going to be the biggest change to the ipad in 5 years even uh the these this is what people like me wanted uh, to be able to do more with simplicity and without you know um, the complexity of a of a computer and i know that this will sound crazy to people who use a computer because there's nothing complex about uh, you know os x or windows um b- but it's different, you know? Um, So I I believe, I truly believe that Apple took their at least two years to build this feature. Um, There's many pieces that needed to fall into place for this to happen. And um, Dr. Drang kind of made fun of me today for saying that, uh, that Apple couldn't have done multitasking before because the technology wasn't ready. And he said that he had one of those old computers, uh, was able to to, to multitask. Uh, I feel like it's different, you know, because the 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 things that apps can do today uh, are much more uh, intensive and powerful than what programs and applications could could do uh, 30 years ago or whatever. Uh so I feel like that comparison doesn't hold up. Um But yes, I I this is a ama- like I'm struggling to find the words because I don't want to sound like well, you know, like I'm uh, exaggerating things, but it's really, it's a profound change. If you work on the iPad, these, like, when I upgraded from iOS 8 uh, to iOS 9 and you start using, you know, the, the split view, the slide over, the picture in picture, it's like a upgrading to a new device for free and i I don't know if I can describe this well enough, but it's like I imagine when people who work on computers get a new computer. This is what it feels like It's just that the iPad was so behind you know and and you could feel that Apple was behind they could they could do more it's like, I want you to do more, why you're not doing more why you're not you're not giving me tools to work better on the iPad and now it's coming all at once, and it's like I'm drunk on features. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this is like that when me and you have been arguing about this stuff over the last few weeks like with the uh, earnings reports and stuff like that. I think this is the kind of thing that that I know I was getting towards and I think that we were meeting in the middle on this which was the Apple needed to establish the iPad as a separate thing not an extension of the iPhone because like yeah. that's all it's been right? It's just been the iPhone but bigger like they they always had the same Features, right? They just went, yeah. They went along hand in hand. This got this, this got this. There are like some really, really good stuff in here the text selection, the picture in picture. Like that is, this is exactly what the iPad needs to be. I have a question for you though, Federico. Yes. At the moment, with all this split screen stuff, are any third party apps working?
2: No, because they need to update.
0: Right. Because so it's not, so a lot of the work is done, right? If they did the. Size classes, but they still need to do some more stuff.
2: You can already, if you're into a third party app, you can slide, you can do the slide over with one of the Apple apps because they are already, you know, updated. And because when you do slide over, you just peek at another, you know, app. You don't need to do the split screen. It's not two active apps at the same time. So, slide over already works for Apple apps if you're into third party apps. A third-party app, but all the other stuff developers will need to update. And the majority of the work is already done because if this is the the, one of the points that I make in my article, if developers have been paying attention and kind of been catching uh, Apple's hints over the past couple of years. Uh, they, need, they need to make adaptive user interfaces and they need to, whether it's auto layout or one of those other tools or, you know, technologies to make sure that you, that your interface can be flexible. If you do that, it'll be a matter of minutes to make sure that you can have what Apple calls compact and regular sizes. For your app, so if you do that, it'll be trivial to 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 uh, make sure your app is ready for iOS nine and for uh, split view and slide over. What's not so easy is to make sure that you that your app scales intelligently, uh, you know, across different sizes. So maybe you want to move, you know. Uh, Interface elements around you want to kind of change the layout a little bit, not just you know shrinking the interface. You need to pay attention to the way that your app will uh, change layout across orientations, and you know the uh, the split screen, the split view has two possible sizes. Then there's light over, and developers will have to be careful, you know. What functionality do I want to give my users when my app is a, is a narrow column on the right side of the screen? So there's a bunch of... Uh there's a bunch of there's many details that developers will need to pay attention to uh, but the majority of the work is already done and this is very clever from Apple to uh, they spent the past couple of years saying hey you can have a resizable simulator in Xcode that you, know, you guess it what it's going to be useful for and last year you can make adaptive user interfaces there's going to be landscape support on, on, on the iPhone 6 Plus with a bunch of different features so pay attention to that and now it's, it kind of feel, feels like it's all coming to together uh, with this uh, ability to show multiple apps at the same time what I was con- what I'm still maybe concerned about is um, is this gonna kind of go against the principles that guided the making of the iPad um, so the iPad when it came out five years ago uh, we as the tech people again, um, we made a big deal of, and maybe became even a meme. You know, we have a bunch of memes, like Apple can do web services and Google is getting better at design. And sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not, but they're memes and they spread quickly. And one of those memes was the iPad is the app that you use at that time. So the iPad is a book if you use iBooks. The iPad is a newspaper. It's a toy. It's the web in your hands. We even made a show about this. Um, So the iPad was an object, you know, because it was one app at a time. What you see is really what you get. (laughs) And the skeuomorphic interface kind of helped in this regard because it established a connection between the digital interface and the fact that you were holding an object. And that was kind of one of the essential characteristics of the iPad. Now, we've moved past the skeuomorphic interfaces where we have apps that are more neutral or maybe they are uh, visual in a different way, you know? They use color, they use icons, they don't use textures, they don't look like objects. And now Apple is saying, we want you to use the iPad, not like a like an appliance, not like a utility, uh, but like a computer. But it's different. It's like a computer, but it doesn't have all that baggage from the computer era. So in, I, I predict that in the next few months you're going to hear a lot of people saying Apple wanted to do the post-PC kind of, you know, new age stuff, and now they have gone back to making the iPad like a PC. Like a PC. But that's not really the point. And because this this is exactly what iOS should be doing let me use a bunch of apps at the same time and make sure their interfaces can be resizable they can be fluid they can be scalable they can adapt to what to my orientation to my device and it can run on a bunch of different screen sizes people who are going to say this is not iOS like they haven't been paying attention to where iOS is going And this is not new, this is stuff from the past two years at least. That said, is this going to be, you know, against the nature of the iPad? I I guess in a way you do lose the elegance of uh, having a single app on screen at the same time. But that's why it's important to note that this is not the default option. When you boot up a Mac and you open an app on your Mac, it opens as a window. Because, you know, on a desktop computer, you have Windows. When you open an app on the iPad, it's still going to open in full screen mode. And you're still going to be able to see by default one app at a time. And in fact, I predict that most people will never discover or use the split screen stuff on the iPad. This is made for people who want to do more. And the fact that it's not enabled by default uh that they're not saying hey now you always need to use two apps at the same time that's important to to remember that iOS is still primarily uh one app at a time kind of OS and whether it's going to be difficult to use or not that's a that's a bit more uh tricky to discuss because you know when you put more stuff on screen it becomes more difficult, and that's just you know, uh, it just happens. It's just the way it is. If you have to deal with a bunch of apps at the same time, you're gonna have to deal with a bunch of more complexities at the same time. But at one point, does you know the the dogma of saying we're not doing two apps at the same time? At what point does a does an idea you know uh, an idea that you need to respect because that's the way that the, the iPad is. At one point, does that go against your users? And the people who want to work from an iPad, you're not doing them a good service by respecting the, the, the ideology of the iPad. You're going against them. And so by enabling users, power users, because this is stuff meant for power users, there's no denying about this. By enabling people to say, hey, I know that it's going to be maybe a little more difficult to deal with because it's two apps at the same time. And I know that it's going to be maybe a little more ugly because you get all these panels flying around and it's not as beautiful as having a single app at the same time. Just let me do this because I need to have my notepad when I'm browsing the web and I need to have my Twitter client when I'm, you know, watching a movie because I'm dumb and I want to make bad jokes on Twitter. And... So I'm happy, I'm not, I mean, I'm happy about the feature, but what I'm most happy about is that that Apple is not stuck in the past when it comes to to the iPad. They're not saying, hey, because Steve Jobs wanted the iPad to be the object that you hold, we're never going to do two apps at the same time. That's what makes me happy is that they're they they they're listening, you know, and they're doing things that maybe five years ago would have been unimaginable because we were all saying, we were all repeating the meme. We were saying the iPad is the object that you hold. And now they're not doing that. They're offering an option. And having options, I feel like it's important. When, when, when it comes to letting people work easily, you got to give them options. And if the option, in this case, multitasking, if the option is... Based on you know a good technology, a good foundation, the a developer ecosystem that can adopt this feature quickly, then I, I I think you have a you have a home run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, for someone who does most of their work on the Mac and and the iPad has been uh, sort of just a side device really since day one. You know, looking at and what they're adding here is is both exciting from the point of view that they're breaking uh, feature parity between the iPhone and iPad, saying, "Hey, the iPad can do more. It's it's more powerful. It's got a bigger screen. Let's do more with that." That's exciting. But they've really addressed like the what I would consider the most common, my most common complaints, things like text entry being easier now with the trackpad as a keyboard, mm-hmm. uh, being able to exactly like you said, you know, I'm surfing. Uh, the web, and I, I need to take notes, and be, you know, I have an iPad Air too, so I can do true, you know, split screen apps, and not just the little slide over guy. Um, that sort of stuff, like yes, it, it complicates the iPad, but I feel like the the choices they've made of what to add covers so much ground. Um, the 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 things that they added were very carefully chosen. And I think very wisely chosen, and so I think it's not features for feature' sake, but it's hey what what types of things can we do to make this more powerful and more flexible for people while still being an ipad and yeah. you know I think they've and i haven't used it, but it feels like watching watching their presentations and looking at their website that they 've struck a balance there, and i think that's I think that's good
2: I have a few doubts. Uh, right now about the implementation uh, and like the future of of, of all this, uh, when it comes to the, actually how it works, um, the, the biggest uh, missing point is uh, the lack of a drag and drop. Uh, at least right now, it doesn't seem to me like you can pick a bunch of items from an app and just slide them over into a second app. And I feel like, Again, I don't know if this will be possible. I don't think it will be, uh, at least in this first, first version. But it seems to me like it's an obvious next step for the feature, especially considering, you know, the, the, the feel of touching stuff on iOS. Uh, you know, you touch your photos, you, you pinch your photos and zoom, and, like, you manipulate content. And being able to drag and drop things between apps seems like an obvious next uh, addition to, to, these, uh, to this technology. The other question is um th- it seems to me like uh, this will make even more sense on a bigger iPad but I don't want to talk about you know the rumored iPad Pro which is Apple is apparently about to release later this year the split view feature um will likely be enabled on future on future iPads of course but right now Split view is only on the iPad Air 2, and my impression is that a lot of people still own older iPads, whether it's the iPad 2, which it, you know, doesn't want to die, or <laughs> iPad Minis or the first iPad Air. Those iPads are only gonna get slide over, and so I wonder, um, will this be, will this be a problem? Will you know whether it's for developers because they. Uh, They can say, hey, you know, we don't really want to put a lot of thought into doing split views because, you know, people don't care. So we'll just ship a basic split view and that's it. Or maybe users the majority of users won't know about Split View. And maybe I'm overthinking this because eventually people will upgrade to a future iPad and everything will be good. And, you know, people on the iPad Air 2 right now can be like beta testers for the future. <laughs> I, mean, and
1: I mean, there's always tension when you, when you add a, a software feature that has a hardware requirement. And yeah. I think the tension feels greater right now because Apple has left so many old iPads for sale, you know, that you can still... It'd be one thing, like yeah, there's a lot of iPad twos running around, or a lot of iPad threes, but you can still go buy those devices or their equivalents in the mini in the mini family. Like, it's not just that there's a lot of them out there still; it's that Apple's still selling them. You can go down the store to the store and buy one, and that I think is why this feels so bad, because it's like on one hand Apple's trying to push the platform forward, and the other hand that Apple is sort of not holding it back, but you know, uh, they they're not helping their their adoption rate by selling lower-cost, older devices. And and so my guess is that this year we're going to see that line tighten up a little bit and and not be so broad as far as technology. Because, you know, iOS 9 will support everything iOS 8 does. And, you know, they're not dropping anything there, but they do have these other features that are reserved for the the Air 2. And, I mean, clearly, like you said, it's a transition, right? At some point, everyone will have a new iPad, and this will be great. But for now, it feels like if I were uh, a developer... Looking at what I could add, I think split, like true, the true split screen for the iPad Air two, would not be the top of my list this summer.
2: Well, yeah, that's my my concern. Uh, maybe eventually developers will will you know I I guess that Apple is saying to developers like in the documentation every app should support slide over and split view, and I bet that developers will you know they will add support for slide over and split view. It's just that I f- I, I, I'm afraid they won't put a lot of care or thought into this. They'll just say, yeah, whatever, just resize and move those two icons to the bottom and call it a day. Um, I I want developers to pay close attention to how this stuff works. Uh, but right now, it's, it's, it's hard to tell because we don't have any example of third-party apps. So we'll see. Um, kind of like a, closing thought that i had if you allow me steven i don't know what were my case if he's just listening and <laughs> maybe if he's thinking about he the just, android phone he just still. got
1: in the bed with my ipad air 2 and the goats yeah. <laughs> <Snuggling with it. laughs>
2: so let me let me let me let me have the closing thought okay um i don't think apple could have done this before um I truly believe that they, they have spent two years building up to this with the frameworks, the API, even if you look at um, stuff like uh, dynamic text, you know, uh, to be able to change text quickly, have the interface adapted to the text size, that's going to be essential for slide over and split views. So when your app changes size, you need to change the fonts. You need to be, to, to to still maintain readable content. That's another piece of technology that was introduced, uh, you know, dynamic type uh, with iOS 7. And I really believe that this wouldn't be possible hadn't Apple redesigned iOS from the ground up. Just imagine, and I know there's a, a lot of... Uh, People who still believe that the iOS six design, the skeuomorphic design, was superior to what we have today, and I agree that sometimes it's better to have a drop shadow or to have borders around buttons. To you know, it's 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 okay to to make interfaces not all white and you know thin typefaces. Um, and Apple is kind of dialing back on that with. LCAP Cap and and iOS 9 Uh, but I I believe that with a skeuomorphic design this wouldn't work and it would actually be kind of ugly to look at just imagine having like leather on one side of the screen and like brush metal on the other Uh, (laughs) with realistic textures and interfaces it would be kind of weird it wouldn't feel like multitasking it would feel like rearranging your desk you know, with all these objects on the screen, so I feel like the 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 interface of iOS seven and kind of the two years ago we said a lot. Apple is laying a new foundation, and Apple is building a new structure, and those kind of felt like buzzwords, you know, because they, they look great in press releases, they look great on websites. When you say, well, laying the groundwork or building a foundation, this is a new uh, design structure, you know, especially when Johnny Ives says that with the British accent, it sounds really great. Uh, but it's also true, you know, because they've really been laying the groundwork. And when you look at these apps with this new design language and the way that they blend together on the screen with multitasking, I feel like it was the right call two years ago to kind of say, we want to reset the, the design language because we can not have a roadmap. We're not telling you yet. And so we're giving you a new design, we're giving developers gradually new technology, new technologies to to build upon, like dynamic type, uh, adaptive UIs, and then we come up with iPad multitasking. And that's exactly, uh, as John Gruber uh, once wrote, uh, that's how Apple rolls. They, they do this kind of stuff behind the scenes, and then one day you say, oh, iPad has multitasking, but it's not one day, it's like, the past two years, they, they have spent building up to this. And so that's why today in the article I wrote, this wouldn't have been possible before. Because there's, it's not just, let me flip a switch and have you know, two windows on the screen. It's not like that. It's people building technologies and features and a developer ecosystem adapting to those, feature, to those features at, at scale for two years. And now you can do this. It's, it's different. And you got to pay attention.
0: So Federico, I'm gonna buy an iPad while I'm here. <laughs> I'm being serious. I'm gonna buy an Air too. Really? Yeah.
2: I'm happy for you. We can split view together. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've ever really wanted.
0: Because no, I've been lusting after a MacBook, right? Like something small and light and and really portable to travel with. And I saw what they were doing on stage all the text selection stuff and and all the split view stuff and. I can see how this could really fit into my work life for being productive, and I, I, I'm I'm interested in trying it out. And so I'm I'm gonna before I leave here, I'm gonna get the uh, Air Two, I'm gonna put the beta on it, and, and play around. I'm excited to try it. It's, it could be to start of something very really beautiful.
2: I'm I'm happy for for your iPad, Mike.
0: Now, in the interest of time, yes. I want to cut the watch. We'll talk about okay. that maybe next week because we <laughs> need to talk about music. Right. Okay, so can
2: I just say up front what I think and then you will criticize me for the next 15 minutes?
0: You can do that just after I thank Igloo for sponsoring this week's episode. igloo is the internet that you will actually like with igloo you don't have to be chained to your desk to do your best work you can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting you can share status updates with your colleagues who can be wherever they want to be as well when you're walking out the door on friday and you're able to access the latest version of any file from home you can even do this in your pajamas if you want you can do it in a hotel room in san francisco it doesn't matter with igloo everything is mobile just like you if you've ever looked at your internet and it hurt your eyes because it just looks so terrible like it's been just transported from the 1990s to your computer and you thought I hate this I just don't want to have to deal with this well Igloo can make that happen all of Igloo stuff looks amazing it's all super configurable so you can completely rebrand it give it the look and feel that you want of your team you can customize certain areas so it fits with different departments in your company it's super easy to get Igloo to fit with the way that you work you don't have to try and fit your work to the way that it wants to be with our mobile lives these days as well people are always bringing in apps from outside they're putting documents in dropbox they're putting documents in box they're taking them outside of the company everything's getting lost it's all out of sync there's all security problems everywhere you don't want to have to deal with that and igloo make sure that you don't have to because they integrate with all of these services and allows you to store your documents in one big easy to secure easy to manage Platform. If you know terms like two fifty six bit encryption, single sign on, and active directory integrations, then you'll know just how safe and secure Igloo is. It's time to break away from an intranet that you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now, and you can try it for free for any team of up to ten people for as long as you want. Sign up right now at slash connected. Thank you so much to Igloo for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Federico, I know you have an open statement, but I have one first. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm jumping in right now, okay? Because okay. I, I feel like I know how you're going to feel about this. So I want to make something very clear about how I feel about Apple Music up front. This is the service that I want. Um, It's got the best of beats. It looks like it's got the best of Spotify. If all of the music is there that I'm going to want, which I expect it will be, this is the service that I've been looking for. It's going to be native on the platform. It's going to work great. I'm really excited about Beats One. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing like a, a radio station made in 2015 and what that sounds like. Uh, human curation is exactly what I want. Having everything there and, and just paying a good fee, like it's probably like nine ninety nine a month in the UK as well. I'm really happy with that. I think the the problem that Apple faced and this is definitely something that people here have been talking about a lot it seems to be a consensus feeling is that the presentation was lacking um it was it seemed to be quite mismatched with the rest of it the pacing was very different they were bringing in people who didn't seem to be extremely well prepared um, onto stage to to give their presentations the demos weren't as tight they didn't show the features that they wanted to do the service itself looks amazing But I feel, and I know a bunch of people that I've spoken to as well feel, that Apple really just didn't do a very good job of selling it. And this is probably because, I mean, that people are saying that Apple TV was meant to be there and stuff like that. I think that this might have been thrown together a little bit too last minute for them, and they weren't able to do it properly. That is my opening statement. I'm very excited about Apple Music, but I think the keynote presentation was lacking. Federica.
2: My general thought is that people need to chill more. And what I really don't understand is, why would your judgment of a new service, whether it's from Apple or Google, anyone, be influenced by the presentation?
0: Because that's how they're showing it to you. That's the point of the presentation is to influence But why you would you say
2: this this service is going to fail based on who, the presentation? Who has, who has said Who's that? saying that? Mashable, okay. There's wow. an article that uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can give you the names. Uh, Mashable, <laughs> as an article, as an article saying that um, uh, Apple Music has already failed and won't beat Spotify. Ben Thompson uh, is saying that Apple has lost focus by with the with the with the Apple Music presentation and app. Uh, and Dr. Drang is saying that the presentation was so bad that it's a sign, you know, of Apple being sloppy and that kind of yeah. stuff.
1: So I think so and I have not read i've read Dr Drang's, I've not read the other two um i think I think the dividing line uh, and, and i mean I read about this too everyone did is that you you have an opportunity to to announce a product and and I think that they didn't do a great job at that now i i and i called out um in my article that 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 does that that does not mean. You cannot tie like a bad presentation to a bad product. Like I think the product is, is a, probably fine. Is
2: it bad because of the dancing? Because of the songs? No. I Why think, is it that I bad? think
1: fundamentally, I think Apple failed to explain in a concise way what Apple Music is. No, I disagree. Did you have you watched it? Like I mean, it's, yes, it's, twice. <laughs> it's it, twice. They 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 start to go down the road of like the, they say you know it's there's this Beats One Radio thing there is streaming they don't really get into what's available to stream and and what that looks like yes, and then they talked the, and then they talked about connect so there are the three things there but yeah. but you have to watch it and take notes to understand it it, it, it was not, no, not think really. think about think about all of the best applicants we've covered many of them on our show yeah it's you can walk away and you can remember what they talked about clearly and i think that uh, apple just I muddied the know, waters by too many demos and having people on stage who just i'm gonna i'm gonna
2: say Drake but i I didn't understand what he said, but I do understand why you, you i mean i kinda of understood what he was saying, but you know he's a he's a celebrity he's a rapper, he's not a tech presenter and i will say jimmy uh, is not a you know a good presentation guy it's his first apple keynote, i think, so it was kind of loud you know it, it kinda he of, didn't get the joke uh he didn't get what people were laughing at uh the three things he kind of looked at the slide that was kind of awkward and I would yeah. say yeah the presentation could have been you know better or maybe there could have been fewer songs but from this to say this was a mess uh, th- that's a uh, yeah we, and I, we, I think I think
1: you and I are saying basically the same thing I, I do not think that a bad presentation means the product is a mess I think the product is fine but I don't I don't I think they failed at the objective of making a good case for that. Um, and yeah, I agree. Like, the most memorable thing about Drake's experience on stage was his cool Apple jacket, which I really want yeah. someone to buy for me. But, but um,
2: but I, I disagree on being confused by what Apple Music is after the first time I watched the keynote. I the had a pretty is, though, good like, idea.
0: You might understand it, right? You might have got it. I didn't. I'm i not special. But I didn't get You're it. You're very special.
2: Like, you no. are very
0: special. But, like, the thing is, like... You
1: may what have didn't not been confused, and didn't...
0: that's fine. But I was confused. Like, what happens with? Because I didn't know until I went and looked on the website. Like, do I? Is it like iTunes Match in that I can upload my music? Like, how does that part work? And like, oh, but I, what I didn't understand always... how like some of the radio stations that they're showing working because they're talking about human curation, but then and they have beats one, but then there's these other ones, and I it's so, like it was like there was a lot of stuff there, and I th- I think fundamentally if they if like the drake piece was taken out and eddie q was there to drive the whole thing it would have been a lot better because i think a lot of people and i put myself included i was getting a little bit like deluded about what was going on because of some of the stranger parts of the presentation so i think i criticized eddie q harder than i normally would because i was in a bad frame of mind when i was watching it i think that okay, is so the key let part me
2: let me go through two points. Okay. The first point is that those two things you mentioned—how the upload stuff works, how the radio stations work—that's the details, and you always end up reading on the on the K base for that stuff. Because even when they announced iTunes Match, they didn't give you the details for the uh, icons, what they mean. They, you needed to go read on the documentation. That's just that's
1: really different from understanding no. how many songs are on their streaming service. The only metric anyone cares about a streaming service, they can answer. That, that just well, seems, there, that seems problematic that's,
2: that's the only. That's the only point that I would say it needs to be clear. But uh, people are saying, yeah, they didn't say how uploading songs work, they didn't say this, they didn't say that. And it seems to me, at least, that a lot of people are obsessing over details that eventually Apple will given the documentation because it's always been this way and because they can't give every single detail on stage because that would be exactly what people don't want, a presentation that is too long and filled with details. So I feel like it's always been this way and presentations have always gone bad, even with with Steve Jobs there were awkward moments and yes, Steve Jobs was a much better seller and presentation guru on stage uh, but this stuff happens you know, to have the rambling uh, guest who just goes on and on and you don't know what he's saying we had the stuff even with the iPhone introduction we had the stuff even with the iPad introduction
1: yeah. do you remember how bad the AT&T yes, was? Yes, exactly he had that,
2: that, cards. it's not not new this is what i'm not following it's not new it always happens but what's why do you need to have a guest because you need to show that you have support from people who other normal people know people know drake and to say yeah you know drake was at the apple event th- that matters for people no, i don't it mind
0: that drake was there like but he didn't do the job that he was brought on to do cuz they were like and we want to talk about Connect, his Drake, and then he came out and told his story. I think he just didn't really know why he was there, <laughs> and he just told a story, which is an interesting story. But if I don't think it was the the intention of bringing him on, would you disagree with that? Like I think he didn't do a good job of of being there. But I like that he al- was. There. I think
2: that's always the case with Apple guests. Yeah. I think
0: they're just not as they're not as polished, are they?
2: Yeah. But that's always this way. It always happens, whether it's from game developers, uh, singers, bands. I mean, do you remember the Bono thing with you two last year and finger touch? That was possibly more awkward than Drake.
0: I think you're making a good point that there are that like awkward parts of the presentations are not new. I think that that is making. Yeah. I think you are. Making but then a good
2: there's. Point there the people who are saying that ariq the dancing the songs and that part i really really don't get because it seems to me like he was really having fun and yes he's kind of sloppy sloppy and and you know is we make fun of the, the t-shirt the shirts that he wears but it's Q he was having fun with songs and it's music you know yeah. and, and i, think I don't it, I think
0: get it's the... taint- I, you know i think that the, the opinion that a lot of people have is like it w- it was long, and I mean, I know that, like, so a lot of people, here, like, we were watching it in a room of a bunch of other people, right? Mm-hmm. And we everybody starts to get a bit restless, and I think that that is, that is what's happening here. Like, people have seen it, they were getting restless, like, people wanted to go to the bathroom. I did. It's like two and a half hours or whatever, yeah. And, and, yeah, and Eddie Q's sure. like, let's play another song. How about another song? So I think that that was it, Like right? Like, I'm getting restless, so it's tainting my opinion about yeah, what i but let's Yeah, but
2: let's not... Uh make the bathroom affect your opinion. But it, d- it did though,
0: man. I was, I was, I was it was... <laughs> I, can un- I was understand what He was doubled can... <laughs> over. It was all very, very true. <laughs> I can before. understand. So... <laughs> but here's
2: a serious point. Here's a serious point. So do you even realize, by the way, how ridiculous it is that we're talking about Drake and jackets and adequate dancing? This is not the main point. Let's talk about what matters. Why did they introduce this service at a developers conference? And I feel like the timing, it, it's very clear to me. So, it's launching at the end of June. There's going to be three months of free trial. When those three months are up, it's the end of September, which means people are going to buy new iPhones, and which means people are going to go to the Apple Store, and they're going to also see headphones, and that kind of stuff. And it feels to me like the timing of the introduction, the three months of free trial, it kind of lines up nicely, with the September time frame that Apple usually usually employs to launch new iPhone stuff and I feel like that could be like they could really use that to sell Apple Music in a new way like bundling maybe Apple Music with a new iPhone I, I don't know but I feel like the timing is interesting and maybe when people say they should have had a separate event m- m- my impression is that they needed to have Apple Music launch now to have something ready when those three months are up.
0: Yeah, that's good. I hadn't thought of that. at The time that it because three months is weird, right? Why not a month? Or like two, that three months takes you ex- to that point, which I think is, is probably a good point.
1: Yeah, and I think I think too, you know, the iPhone while it's a very important part of Apple's business, they have been pairing other things with it you know, during keynotes, right? Like the September event, the iPhone was done in like 12 minutes and then it was all, you know, Apple Pay and Apple Watch stuff. And and so if they also have the watch to contend with in the fall, you know, in that September timeframe, like it does kind of make sense to tell a cohesive story there. And I just, I love, absolutely love the video they showed of the sort of the history of listening to music. So they had people with uh, record players, Casey Liss was in there. And then they had, you know, uh, Eight tracks uh, with Dr. Drang and tape players and CD players and iPods and there was like an iMac G4 which made me happy. Um, I really, I really liked that that video. And you know, when you go back and look at when Apple introduced iTunes, you know, that was sort of the introduction of like the, the thought that that Apple as an entity loves music and Apple as a group of individuals. Loves music, and th- they were clearly are continuing to beat that drum today. Of you know, we're doing this because this is a an area of not only technology but an area of life that we care about, and you know maybe that's why Edie Q got carried away playing playing a bunch of songs. But I think you're I think you're right that the the ninety days does get them into the fall, but I think too uh, I think that's enough time where like if you let If you use something for ninety days, like you're gonna pay for it, right? Like, that's yeah. well, well beyond the the line of something becoming
2: a habit. Especially in so like you know, media consumption. You know what's nice that it's the summer and people, I, I at least based on my Italian perspective, people go out more. People go on vacation. They listen to music more. They have parties. They they can, you know, they, they listen to music, they, they share music more in the summer. Uh, and I feel like it's good timing to be able to use this new music app for free in the summer. And then eventually you'll be so hooked to the service that when September comes, you'll be like, yeah, of course I want to pay. Um, that seems to me like it's nice timing. And this is why Apple, uh, they, they could have said, we don't introduce Apple Music at WWDC or we do introduce Apple music and we will upset some people, and we we will have this presentation that is not as polished as the other stuff, but whatever, because at the end of the day hopefully people will look at the service, not the presentation. And that were, what really gets under my skin is the having an opinion based on Ericcu dancing and Drake, you know that stuff is important because we tech people, we we obsess over the fine art of Apple keynotes because they have their own history and facts and trivia. And that's important, but we should, we should not lose the perspective of, uh, of uh, the actual product. One last point that I wanted to kind of talk with you guys. Beats 1 and the international rollout of Apple Music with Beats 1 as the radio. Mm-hmm. I feel like having a global channel live 24-7, Shared with people in over a hundred countries, I find that message um, very a very positive message to mm-hmm. say we want to give people from every corner of the of the world to listen to the same stuff if they want to to listen to the same stuff live also and I find that idea very powerful to have a kid in Australia and a guy in Italy and you know, a family in China listen to the same stuff. That's that, that to me, it's, it's very romantic as an image, but it's also very powerful as a, as a message for a a digital product.
0: I'm very surprised about the amount of countries that are going to be available to get this on day one. Uh, because we were worrying that it wouldn't even see outside of the U.S. this year, you know? A hundred countries is a very lofty goal. And I'm very interested in Beats 1. Um, you know, we spoke about Zane Lowe on the show when Apple hired him from Radio 1. And, you know, I spoke about how he's very influential and, and I see him as a, somebody whose tastes music that I like. And to have a radio station, like a new... like A, a radio station seems so peculiar today with the way that we listen to music you know mm-hmm. people choose their music and they and they choose what they like in they stream, and so the curated playlist makes sense right because you're having some hand in that but but beats one you will tune in and whatever they are playing that's what you're going to hear right
1: i think that adds to sort of the romantic idea of it yeah it does right that's like that's old school yeah because you know there's um there's a lot to be said for the world that we live in where you know we can we can watch the news we want to watch and we can follow the people on Twitter that we want to follow and we can listen to the music we want to listen to. And and not only does that limit what we can discover, but it's it sort of, it can, you know, especially to get into more serious things in music, right? Like if all I do is watch news that aligns with my political views, then I'm not yeah. seeing, I'm seeing the world only through my lens. And so from an exploration standpoint, it's great. Um, but there, there is something about it. I totally agree with you guys uh, that goes back to a time where, all that's all that, that junk didn't exist and you played with the guy play you know you listened to what the guy played and I think yeah. it's great I I do think that that worldwide radio station like that feels um it makes the world feel small and it, it it's sort of but really big at the same time knowing that I could be listening to something that's that's um,
2: really that's a great way you, to put it you still. know
1: that, that that someone in in god knows where is listening to as well and we're both tapping our foot to it like that sort of gives me goosebumps um yeah in a way that technology normally doesn't do. And so I think, again, I think that's like the primary thing Apple's getting to. Like, we love music. We love it so much, we're going to build a giant radio station that <laughs> everyone can listen yeah. to. I think that's really,
2: really exciting.
0: Oh my God, Federico. I think we might have poured him away from the iPod Classic.
2: Yeah, I mean, are you seeing, are, are you listening to the same Steven that I'm listening to? I know. It's like <laughs> it's not the same guy anymore.
1: Oh, don't worry. They'll play lots of music I don't like, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: but the, uh, the last point, We've been saying for years that Apple is now a camera company uh, because they they, they they make the most popular camera in the world. Yeah. And with Beats 1 and Apple Music, they've been a music company before, but I feel like their plans are much bigger. And I and I think in a few years we'll say Apple is an audio company. And that's I see, just crazy. Like, yeah, I,
0: I see where you're going with that, right? If like, if you think when, when me and you, Federico, started getting into Apple... Apple were the music company, right? They were the the iPod, they were the music company. But today, Mindshare is with Spotify, Mm -hmm. right? Irrespective of what the numbers are, people think, like, you know, people today, they think music, they think Spotify, right? There is a very, very strong chance that this time next year, it's back to Apple again.
1: No. I think so. I think uh those guys I mean I think Spotify will fare the best out of them. I think RDO is done. Like I did. Yep. <laughs> um Yeah, and I think you're right. And I think be, like it's sort of that, that two prong approach of having the radio and having the streaming and having your local stuff and hey, I can go to this and I can see like my favorite band posting pictures from the road, you know, via the connect tab. And what they've done is they haven't created an app or a service They've created an experience, and that—that's really what Apple is at the heart of it. Apple is an experience company, and what they've done is taken playing music is something they know very well, right? Like for years, like e- they've been that music company. But even then, it was I'm buying or downloading music and I'm I'm listening to it. There's not a lot of connection. It's a very one-way relationship, and people want more than that now. And so they're 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 giving people multiple channels to interact to interact with their music their their music and the artists that they that they love. And uh, I think it's going to be hugely successful. I, I, I totally agree, Mike. I think in a year we sit down to revisit this. Um, you know, was the first year of Apple Music look like? I think there'll be a lot of thumbs up uh, emoji flying around.
2: And, I can't, you know, wait. I can't it's wait. Interesting to see that Spotify is bragging about machine learning and that algorithms that they use. Did, very advanced, very fascinating. Did you see a- Apple?
1: Did you see uh, comment? Yeah, so, uh, the Ar- idea was message. like, uh, w- welcome, uh, Apple, seriously, which is them mimicking Apple's letter to IBM when IBM launched yeah. the original PC. Um, I don't know if you guys
2: nope. were aware yeah. of that. So, uh, so, yeah, I, so I was aware this time, Steven. Don't worry. Yes, yes. Got
1: a <laughs> old computer reference to one of you guys. Um, but yeah, I, I, there is always an inherent danger um, when your app when the competition for your app is first party, right? Like music is going to be built in, in the dock on every iPhone shipped. Like that's really hard to overcome if you're Spotify or RDO or, or somebody else. And you look at, say, let's look at podcast clients. There's a built-in Apple one. A lot of people use that. I know from our metrics, a lot of people use that app. I know a lot of people use third-party apps as well. Um, but I feel like in music especially, I think there'll be people who are like, oh, this is great. This is from Apple, like, you know. Uh, I, I you know I listened, I did iTunes and iPods in college, and people may not look at iTunes fondly, but I think everybody remembers their iPod carrying days fondly. I mean, I remember you know that romantic idea about Beats One. I have that about carrying an iPod around in college, so listening to music in between classes, having my entire library in my bag. And I think people will connect with that, and I think that that those third party guys are, are are in for a fight.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. I'm really excited for it, man. I'm looking forward to next month. I'm going to get Apple Music and Apple Pay. Like, it's going to be... It's all coming up, Mike, in July, let me tell you. Yeah. All right. Uh, Go on, Federica.
2: No, I was... I just wanted to conclude that, you know, Spotify does machine learning. I remember um, a few months ago, there was this blog post from a Spotify engineer about the the system they created to uh, kind of have a computer, like robots, listen to music for them and to basically use a neural network a deep learning network to understand what music is like apple we hired a bunch of people <laughs> and we're going to do a radio program i just find it yeah. fascinating to, to to have these two different perspectives um i don't know it will, it will be it's going to be inter- an interesting year for apple because they're doing new things and new things in this, you know, uh, in this kind of world that changes quickly, but that also has very long-standing ideas and preconceptions, new things are exciting, and I, I, I think the recurring theme of WWDC this year is, there, Apple is improving existing stuff, and that's good. But they're also trying new things, and they are expanding beyond technology. That's even more clear this year. And that, to me, is exciting. Um, we will check back, um, I guess, next year, and we'll see how it goes, especially for, for Apple Music. Yeah,
1: so I know it's available for Mike and I. Is it available in Italy on
2: day one? Apple Music? Yeah. I think so. I wanna hope that we're in the list of a hundred countries. I saw the Italian You've webpage. Be right. uh, well, <laughs> let's not talk about Italy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I saw the Italian webpage a few days ago. So I would say yes, we are. And there's an Italian Apple Music account on Twitter. I think so. I, I would. Uh, there's a sixty percent chance we're gonna we're gonna be. In, yes, there's Apple Music in Italy. I'm Great. looking at the website. It real says time, "tutti says, Tut insieme, which means all together. Really nice. We're, we're all together. We're holding our hands, waiting for Apple Music in <laughs> this is a good place <laughs> to stop. <laughs> yeah. On that
0: note, uh, I want to thank our sponsors this week for helping us out. Uh, our good friends over at the Omni Group of OmniFocus, Field Notes, and Igloo. Um, if you want to find us online, you can catch our show notes today over at relay.fm slash connected slash 43. If you want to find all of Federico's fantastic coverage, you can go to maxstories.net. He's working like a champ over there and you can find him on Twitter. He is at vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Federico, thank you for bringing so much uh, work and knowledge to today's show. I really appreciate it. Of course. And if you want to find Mr. Stephen Hackett, I mean, he's writing about jackets or something over at 512pixels.net and he is at ISMH on Twitter and I am imyke Um, there's a bunch of stuff that we've been doing this week uh, for coverage for WWDC if you go to relay.fm you'll find a bunch of shows there Um, Rocket Clockwise uh, Upgrade as well um, as this lovely show Connected that I'm sure that you have enjoyed very much as we have enjoyed recording it and we'll be back next week and I think we'll all be back to normal again I hope so until then Say goodbye, guys.
2: Arrivederci.
1: Adios.
0: We did it.